Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today, today, today is... Thursday. Thursday. December 29th. December something or other, the year of our Lord. And we missed yesterday because Carrie had a brief but unfortunate, an unfortunate but brief incarceration. Uh, please ask no follow-up questions at the advice of her lawyer. So I'm so happy you're here today. I missed you beautiful people last week, and I even missed the ugly ones. I don't know. I'm so sorry. So this has been our longest break from the show. It feels like in a long time. And so I'm happy we're all back, and I'm excited for our topic today. Uh, we're going to talk about my favorite thing in the world, me. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to talk about King David and how we got to King David. But before we do a few notes, first of all, a big howdy hi buckaroos and buckets from Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, Michigan. Uh, small business doing great work in the Catholic community. Uh, so if you're ever in that area of Oxford, stop by, spend huge money. And tell them Joe sent you. It'll guarantee you a discount of percent. Uh, also, a big shout out, hey, to Michigan Catholic. I'm going to mess this up. Isn't that funny? Now I get Michigan Celtic Church Cove Supply. Catholic. Michigan Church Supply, uh, who got us our amazing Solanus Casey statue. Um, and tomorrow, can you help me remember? I got to talk about the difference between blessed and saint. Yeah. The biggest one being they're spelled different. <laughs> so. <laughs> I do have family here in the studio audience besides dad. <laughs> and I'm so excited that they're here. Thank you, guys. Thank I love you. They don't like you people at all. <laughs> but don't take a person or they're filled with hate. Uh, now, I want to let you know that January 14th through the 21st, I will be away with my third wife on a marriage cruise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's my second wife. Uh, no, I will be uh, a part of the Good News Cruise. All right, I've done this. I think this is my third year in a row. Uh, and on one level, obviously, I'm excited. This is great fun. Uh, there's going to be phenomenal speakers and me. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about is last year, because of the COVID, I got spoiled because I remember the year before leaving the cruise and thinking, I'm never doing a cruise again. And not because I didn't have an awesome time. There were a lot of humans, and they were all touching. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like being on an airplane, but with legroom. And there's like people on your right and left all the time, and I don't like that. <laughs> but then last year, there was nobody. Right. I actually saw the pools. Like the year before, I knew there were pools because the mass of humans, but you physically couldn't see the pools at any point. It was crazy. This time I was like, those are pools <laughs> of water in the ocean. I couldn't deal. But I think it'll be crowded again. Or we can just pray for like a huge COVID outbreak. No? I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Okay, so anyway, I'm getting all my horrible comments out of the way at the beginning. And uh, then there was one more thing. Oh, thank you for, oh my gosh, dropping my microphone. Thank you, guys. I spent, I think, Monday doing nothing but opening and reading cards. Uh, 18 pages 
of notes that I wrote for thank yous. Um, and I am just so grateful. I can't believe, uh, thank you guys. Thank you for the kind and supportive words. Um, one thing, uh, I might, like there's like a few of you that just wrote your name and I don't know your address. And yeah, I've got buddies in the government, but I don't want to call them. <laughs> So uh, I might at some point post some names and ask you guys to send your address so I can send you uh, thank you notes. Um, but with all my heart, holy cow, you guys, I got, wow, I have that power. <laughs> For those of you who aren't watching, the lights just went dark. But were you at Christmas Mass? Was it Christmas Mass where the light yeah. went? Like I was preaching and all of a sudden all the lights came on. And I'm like, well, thank you, Lord. God was so impressed. So, you know, we've been doing this Heroes of the Faith thing. And we did Esther and Judith. We did Moses and Abraham. Did we? Yes. yes. And now we're going to do King David. But for King David to make sense, we have to go back to this discussion that happened in the first book of Samuel. So what you've got, uh, oh, are people ready? Yes. I didn't ask. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what you've got in, in El Bible, which is Spanish for the Bible, um, which is also, isn't he a singer, Justin Bible? <laughs> You have the Israelites, right, which is at this point kind of, it's the 12 tribes of Israel spread out over a geographic region, and they are ruled by a system of judges, which is completely unique in the Middle East at that time, uh, or the Mediterranean, however you want to say it. I can't find any other situation where this is how people were governed. And you may remember when we did the whole thing on why there are no women Catholic priests, Part of what we talked about was looking at what's completely unique to Judaism at the time. And one of them was Jews did not have female priests. Everybody else did. Literally every religion in the known world had female priests. Judaism didn't. At the same time, Jews had women who were prophets, who were judges, where most other nations didn't have those things, and certainly not women with the power of judges, but Jews had those. Uh, so one of the other things is this phenomena of judges. How were they ruled? Pretty simply, based on your geographical region, if there was a dispute, you and the aggrieved party uh, went to the judge, and you made your case, the judge listened, and made a judgment, and that was it. Right. Uh, this system of judges sustained Israel from the time they entered the Holy Land all the way until the section we're about to come to. And it worked pretty good. Who are some of the judges? People you may know. Uh, there was Samson. There was Deborah. There was Eli and Samuel. There was Bob and Willie and Sue. Okay, I made the last three out. But there were lots of these. These were judges, and the system worked. And if people needed to unite, well, then the judges would come together and say, my tribe's in, my tribe's in, my tribe's in. That's how they did it. Well, what we learn, uh, and I used a guy, uh, Pastor Zachary Garris, who is, I believe, a Presbyterian minister, wrote a fantastic summary of the whole thing. And uh, I want to make sure and credit him for helping me articulate this better. Um, it starts with a simple premise. Sam, Samuel 
was one of the judges of Israel, and as it turned out, the last one. And he did a great job. He listened to the Lord. The Lord called him from the time he was young. And all the way through, he led Israel's people as faithful as he knew how. His problem is he did one thing, as far as I can tell, wrong. Okay, He made his sons judges, and they were bad kids. Okay, His sons, quote, did not walk in God's ways but turned aside after gain. They took bribes. They perverted justice. That's 1 Samuel 8, uh, 8, verse 3. Now, Eli, who was a great judge before him, did the exact same th- thing with his two boys. Uh, Hophni and Phinehas were Eli's sons, and as great as Eli was, that's how awful his sons were. So you have this phenomenon where two great judges in a row appointed their sons as judges, and those judges had awful sons who did awful things. And this started to mess with the Israelites and mess with their way of thinking. So they came to Samuel and said, quote, Behold, which is weird because his name was Samuel, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. This is 1 Samuel 8, 4. Um, So they didn't consider the way it was being done as working anymore. They didn't like it. They had a couple motivations. One, your sons are punks. And you're old. And then their next argument was pretty simple. Everybody else has a king. Why can't we? Now, in 1 Samuel 8, 6, Samuel says, if everybody jumps off a bridge. No, okay, that's not true. He didn't say that. Samuel, quote, considered this evil, an evil request, and he prayed to God. God's response to Samuel was, obey them. Quote, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They rejected me. Um, so what God's making clear, he who knows the hearts is Samuel, you didn't do anything wrong. I mean, sure, he did things wrong. This isn't happening because of you. It's happening because of them. You remember when we talked about that whole principle of the Jews coming out of slavery and how for that 40 years in the Exodus, it was hell on earth because they were awful. The Bible made clear slavery broke them and they just weren't right. Uh, It's that, and then what happened to them? They produced the greatest generation of Jews probably that ever lived. Right? Bad times make good people. Good times make strong people. Strong people make easy times. Easy times make bad people. That's the cycle over and over and over. And we're in a time where everything's going pretty well. So what is the first thing? How can we get more comfortable? Well, we want to be like everybody else. We want kings. Quote, this is what the Lord says to Samuel. According to all the deeds they've done from the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, they forsake me and they serve other gods. Now they're doing it to you. (laughs) Right? God just makes it clear. Bro, this is new to you, not to me. Okay. So uh, in the end, God convinces Samuel, let him have a king, but try to convince them they don't want one. So what God does is has Samuel warn them about how it's going to work. Here it is. 
the word take appears four times. Here's what he says. A king will take your sons and daughters. The king will take your produce, your servants, and your flock. The king will be a tyrant. He will require a tithe from you of your goods, setting himself up equal to God who should get that tithe. Instead of serving God, Israel will become slaves to their new king. Uh, the people will cry out to God, but he'll remind them, nope, you wanted this. This is what you wanted. So that's Samuel's pitch, right? Hey guys, I talked to the Lord. He says, if you want a king, you can have one. But here's the thing. They're going to be tyrants. Power unchecked is always corrosive. Yeah. Um, and to that end, he lists, they're going to take all these things from you, including the tithe, right? What is the tithe? It's the biblical idea that 10% of what you own belongs to the Lord. You should give that to the Lord, right? Either through the poor or charity or whatever. And he's saying, the king's going to ask for 10% too, right? And you're not going to give 20%. You're going to stop giving me 10%, right? It's pretty funny. God's balancing his checkbook. <laughs> The people didn't listen. Huge surprise. And they insisted on a king. Quote, they refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, quote, no, there will be a king over us that we may be like the other nations. This way, our king may judge us and go out before us and fight all of our battles. <laughs> so it's getting more transparent as they explain themselves that even though God was already their judge, and even though God had already fought numerous battles for them, think how many of those we went through where God did something crazy miraculous for them. Even though a king would oppress them, they want it. We go back to that whole thing in Exodus. Remember this? Where God's point was simple. Slavery is easy. Right? Slavery is always easier than using your freedom well. That's why the people kept saying in the desert, let's go back to Egypt. It's better to be slaves. Right. Now, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. So what ended up happening? God told Samuel, look, it's what they want. Give them a king. So Samuel went around, long story short, and anointed a guy named Saul as king. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Right. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the warrior tribe among the 12. You may remember that 10 of the tribes ganged up on Benjamin and lost uh, Benjamin uh, raised all their boys to be left-handed and to fight left-handed, which was a huge advantage in head-to-head -head warfare, right? Like they did back then. But anyway, so did God want them to have a king? Let's look at that real quick. Clearly he did, right? If you look in Deuteronomy 17, God tells them, someday you're going to have a king. And here's what you should do. Quote, when you come to the land that God is going to give you, you will possess in it and dwell in it and say, I'll set a king over me like the nations around me. You may indeed set a king over you whom God, your God, will choose. One from among your brothers you will set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So God's first requirement was, someday you're going to ask for a king and I'll give you one. You just need to know it's going to be an Israelite. You can't be ruled by a foreigner. Okay. And then God gives three really important restrictions. The king must not be allowed to have many horses, many wives, or excessive money. 
Hey, that's Deuteronomy 17, 16 through 17. And if you're like, really? Yeah, that's why this doesn't work. Because what happens to the kings? What do they do? Well, they hoard money, they have many wives, and they have many horses. What God specifically said your king can't do. Okay, This idea of servant king. Like Marius. I serve him as my king. Although dad says I'm exceptionally well trained. I am. Uh, That dog gets what he wants when he wants. Did I tell them about him stealing a box of chocolates? Did that happen while we were here? So you remember how he stole a box of donuts and ate them? The next week. He went up, I don't even know how, he's old, and somehow he got on the kitchen table and ate an entire box of chocolates. And the vet's first words when she heard were, quote, that dog. <laughs> True story. Yeah. <coughs> so God's thing is this. If, you, if you, Eventually I'm going to give you a king. It'll be an Israelite, and they're not going to hoard horses or wives or gold or silver. And we find out, of course, right from the beginning, the kings hoard gold, silver, horses, and wives. Yeah. You know, two women asked me to marry them, and I said yes to both. Don't you think that was bigamy? <laughs> God also said that the king, check this out, I love this, I love our God so much, that when you have the king, he will uh, write out a copy of the law from the priests and read it every day so that he may fear God and keep the commandments. Wasn't that something? So God's thing was every day you're going to read the law so that you will be faithful to me and I'll be on your mind. Now, God promised that, so why isn't this one working? One, it's not God's timing. God specifically told them this isn't the time, and they didn't care. Plus, we find out about their motives. Quote, Behold, you are old. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Appoint for a king to judge us like everyone else. And then their next time, quote, No, there shall be a king over us, that we may be like all the other nations, that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. So they want to be like everyone else. And they want a king who will go out and fight for them. Uh, I don't know, like this often happens, when we're chasing what we want no matter what. We don't think it through. And part of it here is, well, do you think the king's just going to wander out there by himself? Or do you think he's going to grab your kids, right? <clears throat> Israel wants to be like other nations. Israel wanted a king to judge them despite the fact that God was their judge. <clears throat> Israel wanted a king to fight their battles despite the fact that God had fought their battles for them so many times. They already had a judge and a king and God. But that's not how it worked. So, you know, and I can do a whole bunch of these. I can go through all these where God fought this battle for them, where God judged this matter for them. I've got like pages of that, but I don't think I'm going to bore you with it. First, let's pause and take a drink of refreshing water brought to you by Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore. It's not. It's not brought to you by them. That's brought to me by God. Uh, So we could go through all of these, and I don't think I'll do it because... It's a lot. But passage after passage, God fought this battle for them. 
one of the oldest psalms in the Bible, and I think it's Psalm 86, but don't quote me, is where it says, God won the victory for us while we were sleeping in our tents, which has to do with that. Uh, well, we'll get into it later. So in the end, their s- sinful demand for a king meant that the kingship would be a judgment on them. Okay, this is what you want. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm telling you you don't want it. Yes, we want it. Okay, then here you go. And with it comes all kinds of baggage. Um, God gave them exactly what they asked for. A king just like them. Selfish, greedy, unjust, all of those things. And outside of a few exceptions, every one of Israel's kings stunk. They were bad at being kings. They were oppressive. They led Israel away from the Lord. And even the ideal king, right, the best king they had, King David, uh, did some messed up stuff. So the monarchy itself was a judgment on Israel. Um, If you think about it, like this might help. If you look at uh, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, here's what it says. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And what Paul is telling us, or whoever wrote Hebrews, because we don't know. Uh, In fact, we're sure it wasn't Paul, so I don't know why I said that. But what what the author of Hebrews is telling us, faith is that realization is what is hoped for. That you and I hope for so many things, right? And I think about this all the time. I, I said this in a homily a few weeks ago, that I realized I was buying a lottery ticket, right? Why? With great hope. I don't want things, but I do want good things for the church. I do. I want to help Catholic charities in Flint. I want cheap tuition for anyone who wants